Someone on the way down, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Welcome, especially to Liv and Jackson's family. We love you. There's no words we can say to you except we love you. And we thank you for joining us on such a difficult, difficult day. Um, normally, little Jackson's running around, but he's not running around here. His sparkling shoes are running in glory. So there's no words, love, that we can share with you except we can walk with you and we love you. Maria and Simon are in the house. I just cannot believe it. Now, none of you newer folks will know who Maria is. Do you know who this chick is? Man, she's been, she was one of our founding members when we first came into leadership and they moved away. And then um, they were planning to surprise me today. Surprise! Um, but I was eating crabs last night. No, I wasn't eating crabs. My husband was eating crabs last night and guess who walked in? Them! Surprise! So I welcome you and I love you too. Oh man, it's so good to see you both. You're, yeah, so come and say hello to them. They, they were just faithful and just loving on us and then um, God journeyed them out and, and we just want to welcome you back here. Amen. Um, if you're here for the first time, God bless you. Um, today, I, I find it really difficult because um, the message that I was going to speak early this week was not the one I'm going to share with you today. Um, the message I'm sharing to you today is the question, why? Why the heck? I can say heck on the pulpit, right? Because I can't say any other word without it being inappropriate. So um, this morning I'm joyful. I truly am thankful and I'm truly joyful, but I'm also truly sad and heartbroken. This week, as you know, has been just a massive test on Liv and her family and a massive test on individuals in this house. And the question I've been asking God and crying out to God for over the last few days is why did this have to happen to baby Jackson? And I, 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 I do pray that the family will receive this message. It's hard that I'm sharing this message while the family were here. Liv just told me this morning. So I just pray that you hear this from my heart. And it's not easy for me to share this whilst the family is in here. But I pray it will bring comfort to you. Um, I'm not God. So I'm just going to lead us through Scripture and pray that we'll make some sense out of what's happened over this week. I ask God, what's the point of us praying? Oh, not all Christians do that, but this one does. Uh, what's the point of praying if you are planning to take him away? I ask God questions like, why do good things happen to, what do bad things happen to such beautiful, beautiful people? And I also ask them, where the heck are you? Um, I know you're all religious people and you probably don't. You probably, oh Lord, you're so great and wonderful, but. You know, me, I ask God, I ask God these questions. I just ask, ask God if he truly does heal. So I've been asking God these real complex and tender questions. And this morning, I want to have a conversation with us about why. And I believe that at the end of this conversation, we'd not come any closer to the why. 
But I pray that we will have a bit more peace in our heart to walk through the journey. Um, God is thinking is way beyond ours. His ways are way beyond ours. And I'm still journeying with God to figure some of this stuff out. Um, I'm going to tackle this question this morning about why. And I want to share some clear truths that I know from the Word of God. And these truths from the Word of God that will help us in regards to the healing. And why some get healed and some don't. Why does God heal some prayers or hear some prayers and, and answer some prayers? And why doesn't he not? These are questions that I've asked myself and we haven't rested very much over the last 48 hours, most probably the same as the family. And I've been just crying out to God and trying to make some sense because as your pastor, I also need to walk through this with the family, but I also need to give us hope. And as I've been walking with the family, I see great faith. And they may think that I'm giving them hope, but they're actually stirring my hope up and my faith in God up. That as I hear their parents pray and as their brothers and sisters come together and pray, that stirred me up to want to know why this stuff happens. So I've been praying over you this morning and over the last few days that as we go through this conversation today, that we may walk out of here with some type of, with some peace of God who brings comfort to everyone during the season. I've been praying that you'll continue to walk forward, trusting in God, regardless of what we see in the natural, just trusting in an unchanging God in a very changing world. That He remains unchanging but around us continues to move and change. I pray that as we walk, that we continue to grow in love and not just love for God, but a love for one another, an appreciation of our children. I came back from the hospital every day and I grabbed my grandson and I jumped into bed with my son and his wife, which is probably not appropriate, but I just didn't care. I just wanted to take my grandson and I, I just squeezed him so tight that I just didn't want to let him go because I want to show love and I want to feel love in the midst of pain. And most of all, I pray that you and I remain steadfast, that we'll continue to abide in Him who is the source and the giver of life regardless of what is happening in the now. So I just want to share some things with us this morning. And again, we won't get any closer to the why, but I pray that it'll bring a little bit more comfort because God's ways are higher and His thoughts are higher. And I keep saying to God, well, if you're higher and your thoughts are higher, you've put me in higher places so I should know all the higher. Don't you agree? The Bible says that His thoughts and His ways are higher, but He's placed us in heavenly places. So if that is true, should not I know the higher things of God? So this is my first truth that I want to share. God doesn't heal everybody. This is the most important point of our conversation this morning, that God doesn't heal everybody. And the Bible gives you and I some clear evidence 
about him not healing everybody. And if you would, please, I want us to turn to the book of 2 Samuel 12. And I just want to grab my phone or something with my Bible, my phone. Thank you. We're going to read 2 Samuel, and it's a story about King David. Second Samuel twelve. Are we okay? We're doing okay, right? I might just read it up on the top. Thank you. Can we read this together? Is that okay, family? Because we're a Bible believing house, amen. And we're students of God's word, so we're going to learn some stuff this morning from his word. You're not learning from me, you're learning from God's word. So can we read this together? One, two, three, go. Then Nathan departed to his house. And David therefore pleaded with God for the child. And David fast, and he went in and laid all night on the ground. Has that not looked like Liv and her family this week? Has that not looked like many of you this week? That you've laid on the ground, you've cried out to God, and you've been praying and you've been fasting, just like David. Let's keep reading. So the elders of his house arose. Then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and he changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house. They sent food before him, and he ate. Then a servant said to him, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be generous to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Isn't that a relevant story for today? 
Here is King David. He has fasted seven days for God to spare his son's life. And over this week, many of us have prayed and we've been fasting for God to do a miracle over our little Jackson's life. But we read that like King David, his child died. See, David was a man of God. He, the Bible described him as a man after God's own heart. The Bible said to us that David was a worshiper. How many of us is like David? We worship God. We're faithful to God. We give to God. We serve God. We do everything that God requires us to do. But still, our child died. After David's child had passed, David arose from the ground, a place of which many of us have been over this week on the ground. Many weakened by our knees, many in a place of surrender, a place of desperation, a place of prayer on the ground. He washes his face He anoints himself, he changes his clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and the Bible declares that he worships. And then in verse 22, David says these words, while the child was alive, I fasted and I wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be generous to me that that the child may live? But now he is dead, why shall I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him. He shall never return back to me. That is the prayer this morning that Liv can't bring him back to her. His grandparents can't bring Jackson back. Maybe you've lost a loved one too. You can't bring them back. Maybe a husband. And there are some in here that have also lost a child. You can never bring them back. But you can certainly Go to them. Not anytime soon. This is a story of a man of God who had a prayer just like you and I over this week and asked God to please heal my child and God did not heal this child. God doesn't heal everyone. How about a story in the book of John 5, 3 and 8. And we're going to read this story. And in these laid a great multitude of sick people. Let's read this. Blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the waters. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps before me. Jesus says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. This is a story of a multitude of people, multitudes. 
But here is Jesus and he only healed one. There were multitudes of people, deaf, paralysed, blind, that were in that place waiting for the stirring up of a water. And the Bible says that Jesus heals only one. How about a story in the book of Mark, chapter 1? Let's read this. Now as soon as they had come, And she served them. At evening when the sun had set. They brought him all who were sick. They brought him all who were sick. And those who were demon possessed. Or, someone say or. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many. He did not heal all. I'm only reading stories because I can't comprehend everything about God. But I'm reading our stories so we can understand that we can pray and pray and pray, but not everyone will receive a healing. Then he healed many who were sick. Let's read, with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now in the morning, having raised a long while, risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed. Everybody, everyone is looking for you. Jesus had a role to play. There were many wanting to be healed. They were standing at the door waiting for him. But this is Jesus' response. Let us go into the next town. Are you kidding me, Jesus? There are people at the door waiting for to be healed. And you're over here praying and now you're telling us that you're not going to go back and heal them, but you're going to keep continuing to another town so that you can preach the gospel. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. She gets up from her fever and the Bible says she had a purpose and that was to serve him. Then the whole city gathered outside the door. He healed many, but he did not heal all. God, what are you doing? We then understand that he goes into a place of prayer and people go searching for him and he tells them that he wants to leave town. How about the apostle Paul? Paul 
did great things. He did marvellous things. But why didn't Paul heal Timothy from stomach ulcers? Why couldn't Paul lay hands on Timothy and help Timothy? Instead, Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, just go and have a little bit of wine. But Paul, you can heal because Christ says that you've had authority. What you, he has displayed, God said, you're gonna display the same thing. You can just lay hands on Timothy and he'll be healed from this ulcers in his, in his tummy. But no, Paul said, you just go and have a little wine to help that tummy infection, to help that tummy issue. Instead of healing Timothy, Paul gives him instructions. No one can fully comprehend God. But clearly God heals as he wills. And I will for him to heal Jackson. And his healing is not a formula that you and I can, can manufacture. We can't do step one and A, B and C. I can't preach to you what's, what's the right direction into your healing. All I can give you is God's Word. And God's clearly telling us this morning that he does not heal all. But it is a desire that we all walk in healing. We have a personal responsibility, the Bible says, to pray. Our role as believers of Jesus Christ is to pray without ceasing. How the answer comes to us, whether in this life or the next, it is not our role to be concerned about. We can never fully comprehend what God is doing. So every single life, including our beautiful Jackson's life, is in the hands of God. And our role, according to Scripture, is to pray and be thankful. The second thing I want to say to us is God doesn't um, heal based on solely on just on faith. This is something that many people struggle with. And, and if someone doesn't get healed, people try and shift this blame thing. I hear it all the time and I'm being told things like, you need to forgive somebody. You need to let go of your past. If, if you want God to heal you, you've got to forgive. And if you need God to heal you, you need more faith. And sometimes the person who is praying for the other person feels that they're inadequate because they feel they have great sin. So if they lay hands on them, they're not getting healed. They think that it's because of them. Even worse, we hear that it's that person's fault. We're praying for someone, it's your fault, you're not getting healed. I challenge that doctrine this morning. The Bible is very clear about this abusive, abusive teaching within the body of Christ. Our healing is not based on whether you deserve it or not. We don't. End of story. Our healing is based on Christ and Christ alone. Full stop, end of story. It is not based on whether you have faith or no faith. God is no respecter of man. He will choose to use a donkey to talk or walk. He will use anybody and anything He wants. Jackson usually plays around with this, so I'll just play because he's not here. <laughs> Annoying. <laughs> he would grab this and just swing it around. <laughs> Remember the story about the man that was by the pool that just got healed? 
in John 5, did we read that story, eh? No, we didn't read it. Did we read it? Yes, we did. We did read it, Jordan. Were you in the service? Pastor Jordan. Making me confused. If we continue that story in verse 13, let's read this. But the one who was healed did not know who it was. Did you read the same thing I read? In other words, this crippled man who Jesus chose to heal didn't even have faith in the man that healed him. So this doctrine or teaching in the body of Christ is that you need more faith, you need to pray more, you need to fast more, you need to give more money. I challenge that this morning because according to God's word, this man did not even know who Christ was. But God still chose to heal this man. Out of every other believer and person that could have been, that was sick that day, he chose this man. He had no faith in Christ. He did not even know who he was. As you and I continue to grow in Christ and as we continue to grow closer in Him, we receive more revelation of who He is. He says, I do what my Father tells me to do. I say what my Father tells me to say. So if someone says to you that you need faith and you need this and you need that, is that what God would say to you if you don't receive your healing? I challenge that this morning. Because my God will not sit there and rebuke me and say, Fina, you need a bit more faith to get my healing. God will never stand there in front of Andrew and say, you know what, Andrew, you need to do this and that and that to get your healing over your heart. Because it's it's not on our performance that we receive from God. It's on what He's already done for us that we receive from God. I still don't understand the why. I'm not standing here telling you I know all the theological reasons why this has happened. All I'm telling us is I'm having a conversation about what God's Word says. We pray, we ask the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I've been asking God and praying over this house for many, many years, and you hear it every time I stand on this platform, is that we pull down every false, that Holy Spirit pulls down every false concept of who Christ is. Because we're programmed to believe such a thing when it does not make sense when it comes to the Word of God. The next thing God doesn't heal us based on giving. Um, This is a hard one because. I was told early on in ministry, if I sow into a particular ministry, I may get favour and have healing. When my husband was going through uh, surgery and going through sickness, and even today, I hear that. If you just sow into this ministry, God will bless you and your husband's going to be healed. You should just sow because you love your house. You want to sow into a ministry because you want to bless them. We don't sow to get, we sow to give. <laughs> so just. And Acts 3, it says this, and then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Healing is not something that can be brought, neither is something that, that we have to get or grab. 
the beggar asked for a blessing in his cup and the apostle Peter offered him something better and Peter gave it to him free of charge. There is no guarantee of the formula for our healing. Uh, God, you can't force Jesus to heal you based on just your faith. You can't bribe the Alpha and the Mega to heal you. No apostle, no New Testament teaching or writer, not even Jesus himself ever told someone to give a financial seed so you can be healed or have your freedom. It is based on Christ and Christ alone. So that means Jesus can heal the the beggar who has nothing. He didn't need any money. Jesus just healed him. You okay? God sovereignly heals. He healed then and he'll heal today. That's one thing I know. You may say, well, Pastor, you just said that he doesn't heal everyone. He healed Jackson. It's just not in the way I wanted it, neither the way his mum and his family wanted it. We wanted Jackson to get up and run around. My husband and I had many conversations over the last 48 hours. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the family of God was at TC and they were all praying on a Wednesday night and, and I could hear them. He would ring me. It was so annoying. But I was trying to be godly and answer his phone. And he would ring me and he'd go, honey, his hands are moving. And I'm like, I can't go in the family and say his hands are moving. So I'm trying to discreetly go into the room and lift up and see if he was moving. And I said, I would text him back and say, not yet, honey. And he goes, yes, I'm moving. I see them moving. I see him running around the platform on Sunday. And they would tell me things. They would communicate things from headquarters here to the hospital because they wouldn't stop praying until they saw Jackson moving. And that was so hard because we've got to keep faith rising and hope rising. But at the same time, your natural eyes are saying, Lord, this is so impossible. What, what am I going to say? People at the, at the office are all praying and they want me to give a good report. And I don't know how to say it without hurting their faith. And it was so hard as a pastor when I could get these messages from, from, from the prayer group to the church. And I was going, um, okay, his colors, colors changing. Liv, I keep going, his colors changing. I was trying to give them hope because they were praying for, for this young boy. And I was trying to give them hope without hurting their hope or saying to them, it's nothing's happening. It was so hard. God is unchanging. And yes, He does still heal today. He, he, we, his will can never be stopped. And this is what I can't understand about God. I believe that I know God's will, but still I don't know God's will. Because the why question about why this has happened and why there's so much grief and why this has happened to our baby boy, all I can say this morning, it's God's will. And I don't know why. Jesus in the garden, 
He says these words that we're all familiar with, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Under the greatest weight that a man can ever carry, under everything, he carries the sins of the world on his divine shoulder. Christ, the Son of heaven, he still submits his will to the will of his Father. This is the model. This is our model. This is our model. Submitting to the will of our Father, even when we don't understand it. Over the past week, we have seen live one way, but I've seen her in another different level. She has inspired me, and she, has, she is more concerned about everybody else than herself. You've inspired me. I don't want to cry because I want to be strong for love. I want her to keep walking through it. I want to show her she can do it. But I don't know what God's doing in her life right now. But if you can just have a glimpse of what's happening, it'll blow your way. I just want to hang around with her. I think I'm pretty cool. My daughter's going to get pretty jealous when she gets back because we're going to be best mates and my daughter's out of the picture. Why do you do this, Lord? Sometimes he allows himself to glorify himself through our sufferings, our sickness, even to death. In First Peter, he tells us that we are foreigners in the world. And this, this way of thinking that we are to joy in our troubles and tribulation, that's just crazy thinking according to everybody. But the Bible tells us, accounted it all joy of trials and tribulations, and he tells us that we're only visitors here, that our real home is in heaven. That's what it says in First Peter 2. And during the time of grief, it is hard for us to imagine how we can count grief joy. But the Bible tells us that as we journey through grief, we count it joy. I don't think grief is joyful. But I believe that the end of refining of our grief, God be glorified in it. No matter what is happening, no matter what is happening, God will use this for his glory. And that one thing I know, I have, I have no doubt whatsoever that God be glorified through this. The enemy is defeated. He is under our feet. Death will have no sting in this matter. The atonement brought and paid for everything. It's a guarantee that we'll receive healing. The thing is, in John 3.16, and we all know this very familiar, it talks about this eternal life. This eternal life is not for now, it's for eternity. But I challenged the Lord because I said to the Lord, 
You told me that I will have a, a life that is prosperous and blessed. You told me that no sickness and disease will come over me. Because that's the Bible, right? And I grab all these promises. And then I say to the Lord, you promised this and you promised this and you promised this. And the Lord reminds me over and over again about my eternal joy. And he tells me over and over again that he prayed for the price and the penalty of sin, sickness, tears and and pain and fears. And this eternal life only comes at the edge or at the doorway where we enter in or transition into death. And can I say that we're going to have a final victory over this. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about our final victory. One day the trumpet will sound. And those who are in Christ that are sleeping, the Bible declares, they will be raised in Him. So regardless on if our little boy is laying there in his body, he is not there. So when I was speaking to, to my grandson, and uh, he, he, he's using grief a different way. And that's why I want to encourage us, us as parents and as grandparents, please allow our children to grieve. That little boy was their friend, the only friend that they had. My grandson, he, he, he's grieving in a different way because when he rings me and he says, and, and he's, he's only four, and he says to me, Nana, I want to go hospital. Why do you want to go hospital? I want to go see Jackson. I said, Jackson's not at hospital, Jackson's sleeping. And Jackson's not waking up. And I'm trying to bring a language to my grandson so he understands that Jackson is sleeping and he's not going to wake up and he's not going to see him here on this earthly time. But one day my grandson will be running with Jackson in glory. I just know it. When we saw him yesterday, Liv, I saw him with his shoes. His mother put on a hoary outfit, by the way. (sighs) Did I tell you that? On purpose. Hoary cute. Okay, just so it's nice. That's probably how Jackson was. But he had these shoes in the, I know the shoes sparkle, sparkle. And I do see him running in the flower, in this big garden with flowers. And all I see is his sparkly feet. I don't see him, but I see just sparkly feet running through this. So that's what I hope in. I don't understand the why, but I have hope that I'm going to see him again. I have hope that he's going to be resurrected again with Christ. I have hope that he'll wipe away all our tears in our season and we will glory in him. Many will experience healing right now on earth today, but others, we will have to wait. And I'm okay about waiting because I've got a mansion waiting for me and it's bigger than I can ever imagine. I said to the Lord, if I've got to suffer for you, you better build me a mansion huge enough for my suffering. And every circumstances that we are going to go through, God's going to bring comfort to our souls and our body. And this has been the hardest week for Liv and her family. But one thing I know, that God has him and God's got you. Our eternity of perfect joy is never going to end. It's never ending. So let us start to ask questions. These types of questions about why things happen. And please, Christians, don't over-spiritualize it and put Christian jargon on it. Don't say, oh, God's got you. It's okay. Get over it. Try and th- try and open and break the Word of God so you can get some understanding. 
Please understand that grief hits people in different ways. My other grandson who's overseas at the moment, he is so angry. He doesn't want me to talk about Jackson. He doesn't want me to have a conversation with him about Jackson. And every time I bring up a, a, a Jackson, he doesn't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. We have a responsibility to talk about this to our children and our grandchildren and help them through this grief also. The why question must remain with God. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I ask God to give us clarity and I seek for revelation. And over the next coming days, weeks, months, live years, may God continue to pour out over us his mercy and grace as we discover the why. Why does this happen to good people? Why does it have to happen to our babies? So I pray that it kind of helps you to understand not the why, but the why, a little bit of the why. And I pray that God will continue to comfort this house and live in her families, her siblings and, and the cousins and, and the brother, Flynn. We're praying for Flynn big time. He is part of this house. He's, Liv has brought him to church since she's been coming. And we are praying for Flynn now. Be outstanding in the presence of the Lord. Give the Lord a hand. Love on him. Tomorrow is the day that we're going to have a celebration service at the Baptist Church at 11 o'clock for our, our baby Jackson. And I thank you, the team who have met with me over the last few days. I thank our men. Oh, man, I just... The generosity of this house is incredible and I just want to say thank you for the teams and those who are serving tomorrow, those who are serving right throughout uh, the day, those who are supporting our um, Kathy and the team. I, I just want to say thank you. Um, this is not for us. This is for Liv and Jackson and Flynn and the family, for Jason. And we want to serve them with excellence tomorrow. Amen. So tomorrow, if you can be there early and just come, just just come and, and you, you'll just, we'll f don't worry, Kathy will throw you somewhere. There's enough to do. There's a lot to do. And we want to serve and we want to love on them. We, we are serving them. We're catering for, this, for our family and for the wider body and the wider family. And we want to do it with excellence. Amen. Thank you for your generosity and your prayers. Do we keep praying for healing? Absolutely. Do we lay hands on the sick? Absolutely. But everything else is up to God. Amen.